0: It just came back that thought process of, I don't want to look back on this five years, 10 years from now and think that I didn't give it 110%. But I I do kind of make sure people understand that it's because of the experiences I had as a young kid and the mentors that I had and the colleagues and the teammates that I had that that I'm where I am today.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the greatest show on earth.
2: Welcome to the Three Guys Podcast, hosted by Brian, Derek, and Brett. I'm going to start off the episode today with a few questions from my brother. You're going to like this one, Derek. You ready? I'm ready. So, Brian, we typically, like, back and forth, we usually do some text messages on a group text message, which, like, usually Sean, myself, and Brendan's on there. Shout out to Sean Judge and uh, Brendan Buck Brendan Rogers. Rogers. <laughs> so we usually play this game where like, you, like if you hear a song, you take a picture of it and then you send it like, what movie was this in? So today, I got a few ones for Derek to quiz him on. Unfortunately, you can't hear the song, but I'm going to say it to you. You ready? Yep. All right. So, Jimi Hendrix along the watchtower Name a movie that that song was in. Oh, my God. Um, I do want to say it was in multiple movies. Yeah, I so know. I'm going to ask you a second if you get the first. Say so I know Jimi Hendrix had a
3: song in Point Break, but it wasn't that one. Oh, my God. You I just need said, a hint?
2: Yeah. Okay. One of them, Tom Hanks was in. Tom Hanks was in. He loved to run in it. Well, not Forrest Gump, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Can you name another the one? The other one is one of my favorite movies. Hmm. De Niro. De Niro. De Niro directed it.
1: Oh, Bronx. Hey, still. Dave.
2: What? Five?
1: So, Dave, I, I must have. So, Dave, well Yeah. We didn't
2: even introduce you yet. So we're going to, so here's what we're going to no, do. You can go, no, just go, no, go rock. Just yeah, go. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, rock heck? and roll. He's All in. Right. What's going on, man? What's up? How hey, the doing? good thing is me and him are wearing the same type of That's shirt right. today. That's right. I
3: got the memo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, mm-hmm. hi, Dave. It's the right. first time I became friends with you on Facebook today. <laughs> so
2: so actually, you know what? I'm going to include him in on this. So David, so I started off with um, a, a little quiz, like me, my brother, and like a couple of our other buddies. What we what we usually do is like if you hear like a, a song or if you're in the car or whatever you are, whatever that song is and like you name like what movie that song was in. So it's always like a text message back and forth. You like what song was this I, in?
0: Right, right. Um, so I hit
2: my brother earlier today. It was one song that was in. Um, you ever seen a movie Boomerang with Eddie Murphy? Of course, remember yeah. that's a classic. So that it was uh, the boys to men song. So I started off the the first one. The question today was with um along the watchtower with Jimi Hendrix. Can you name what, like, a, give me a movie that that was in? It was in multiple movies.
0: <sighs> Along the Watchtower, what could it have been in? Man, I gotta tell you, that is going to stump me. Uh,
2: I'll, uh, give you a, multiple, I'll give you a little hint. I give, uh, huh?
0: Multiple movies.
2: It was in multiple movies. Yeah. Uh, I'll give you a hint. Give me a hint. Um, one of them, the movie starts with. Uh, well, the second word in it is Bronx. Bronx Tale. Yes. Yeah.
0: Nice. That, that's, and- a, by the way, that's a classic, man. That's like, that's like something, you know, I think there's movies that you have to sit your kids down and say, mm. look, sit down. You got to watch this. Um, but as a growing kid, it, it never, uh, I'll never forget the lesson the guy said that, you know, when you open the door for the woman. Yes. You know, <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Tell me a guy does, doesn't, didn't look at that and was like, I want my son to know that. I want Bruce. you know. And it, yeah. it'll,
3: it'll explain why I'm still single. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's and one of the reasons. I mean, I, I've been yeah. locked out. I've been locked out. The year that movie came out, millions of relationships just ended. Yeah, That's that, that one move, right?
2: <laughs> yeah, and then cool. back then, the the whole um, like there was no remote doors really back. Then. It was just it was there, but it wasn't as prevalent as it is now, right? So uh, you can't yeah. even use that trick anymore. The the, the whole door trick.
0: I gotta tell you, I still I still hold the door open. So I'm. I'm, I'm oh back. yeah, yeah. But
2: the one where you reach across and you open, like unlock um, that, the door, that, like the girl does it, like yeah. that's you she know. can't do that anymore. Yeah. Yeah, she, yeah, yeah, she can. She can just like hit the button. I, w- I will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You get the remote. Can you just unlock it for me? <laughs> yeah. Hit the button. All
3: know. right. Or, or my use mom. my
2: app. Yeah. That when that movie came out, I remember that um, was like my birthday, and I think um, you know who got me that movie, Gussie. Gussie he got that for thinking. my birthday. I watched that movie like probably five what or six times. year time was first that? Ago.
0: What was that? What? Ninety one, ninety
2: two, I think. No, that was ninety-four, I think.
0: Ninety-four? Okay.
2: I
3: I could have sworn it was ninety-four, ninety-five. It's not ninety-one for sure. I know there's a there's a Broadway show now that came out.
2: Yeah. Based and on then, that movie. I saw so I went to the chat, like he was at Mohegan. So I saw him over there when he does the one man stand-up show on that. It's like a half house, and I saw him do that. And he does it like begin at the end and a lot of words. It was actually nineteen ninety three. We were in the middle. Yeah. Both, both wrong. It was close. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, you guys ready for another one before we uh, we, we go? Yeah. yeah. Hey, right. it up. Um so this one that's probably too easy. Okay. Yellow Yellowbrook Road, I think we don't figure that one out. <laughs> so five stair steps. It's called Ooh Child. So ooh child. Oh, I know this one. This is one we should own, though. I this oh, is, yeah. yes. This is like. This is a classic. This is your, your bat. This is probably your heydays. Like you probably were had to be middle school, right? Or You probably uh-huh. maybe freshman high school, right? It's not yeah. Stand By Me, is it? No. No, no.
0: I'm, I think of. Uh, it's been
2: in a couple of movies, too. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, it
2: was a classic
3: movie with um, Ice Cube.
0: Oh,
2: oh, is it Friday? No, before Friday? that. Before that. Go ahead, give it to me Good Dark. Boys in the Hood. Boys, Boys in the, in the hood. hood. There
0: you go.
2: With Cuba Gooding. Yeah. Was Cuba Gooding? Yeah. Yeah. Ice Cube was in it. Lawrence Iceboard. Yeah, Ice Cube. Yeah. Lawrence yeah, that's Fishburne. One of Ice Cube's first movies. Man, and those, remember how good those movies were? Man. I know. Like that's uh yeah, it's another classic. And then do you know what the other movie is, Derek? Or David, Brian? Hmm. No, that's a that's a. So it could be a stumper. Guardians of the Galaxy.
0: That's right. Oh, yeah. So just at just finally the beginning, saw right? I wouldn't.
2: That
1: yeah. was one of my pandemic movies well, what that did I would have
0: that one, man. What I would have. That's no? my mind
2: have you seen it, that... David?
1: I haven't, man. No? Uh, put it on your list. Really? Good with the kids, too. Yeah, yeah. Put yeah. it on your list. Yeah. Yeah, well, I was right.
3: skeptical, but it was a good movie. Yeah, I was, too. Like you said, it looked a little weird, and then when you watch
2: it, it's a it's a yeah. good movie. Oh,
1: good
3: yeah. I can't wait for those to come out. I think
1: they're making sequels or whatever. So Yeah. That's awesome.
2: Well, I'm glad you joined in on, uh, look okay, at, he's cocktailing too. He's got a little wine, got a little vino.
0: <laughs> like, By the way, I've, um, I've really enjoyed listening to the previous episodes, man. I've had such a good time and I have to say, you know, this is the first time that I've actually had to spend money to be on someone's podcast, but I've literally bought the two books that. Your previous guests have, nice. Written, right? Seriously,
2: I that's was nice. so
0: moved, right, man. Like, Di- I think it was Diane Tarley, right? Diane Tarley, yeah. yes, yeah, uh, yes. And the most recent, well, Joy, right? Joy was the Joy was uh, yeah. second, one, right? And so I ended up buying uh,
2: buying the book, so I'm really excited. Nice. And forward to reading them. No, I'm sure they're very appreciative of that that's awesome, man. We don't yeah. get we don't
1: that's get any proceeds, but <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Um, we didn't get to in- introduce you. Normally, we, we kind of do an intro before you come in. So I'm going to do an intro, I'm going to be nervous because you're staring at me. So please, screw
2: this up. <laughs> just <laughs> just make sure you la- yeah, laser yeah, eyes yeah, out. Turn right. around and really yeah, just stare sorry. at him. Yeah, yeah. stage fright. So play
1: that sound, right?
3: The so bong sound. <laughs> that's
1: right. Well, we have to edit this all out and fix yeah. it.
3: So, uh, Like the bong show. Yeah. Welcome to the bong show. We'll have the bangings. So when we originally were
1: discussing the guests that we wanted to have join us on this show, one of the items that I had brought up was certainly uh, leaders within the business world, specifically people that had a connection to where at least I was from or where the three of us were from. And we all are from Haverhill. That's where we're all from. And my brain was going a million miles a minute with all of my friends that I grew up with and people that I went to school with and people that have excelled. And one of the first, there was two that came to mind. One of them was David. And uh, I've walked from a distance from, About 2,000 miles I've watched David's career just over the last five or 10 years just, just go skyrocket. And before that, David was a leader among all of us in high school, I think you. I think he held a, a few positions when he was in high school, was a leader on all the athletic teams, wrestling accomplishments speak for themselves. But before I s- screw up his intro, let me just welcome him to the Three Guys podcast. So <laughs> welcome, Dave. We're glad you joined us.
0: Yeah, th- thanks, Brian. I, uh, I'm really looking forward to chatting with you guys. And uh, nothing brings me more joy than to bring back some memories of me uh, growing up in Haverhill and, and love seeing what you guys are doing, man. I, I really uh, have enjoyed following the episodes and and seeing what you guys are building. So hopefully in a couple of years, we can look back on this and say, man, those are one of the first episodes that you guys did. So shout out to you guys, man. Thank
2: you, Appreciate Pretty it. Cool. Man. Thank you. And, and you. I think you might've started something a little bit new here. I, I kind of like that you dropped in and Brian <laughs> just let you in the room because yeah. it just like opened it up and you like, it, you know, it loosens things up a little bit. You came in on some questions and- uh, yeah, you know? yeah, actually,
3: what we should use is Brian's face for the YouTube part, because he, he made a, it like, a, like, yeah, he goes, yeah, yeah, he missed it. He definitely <did>. He's like <laughs> He
2: was like, oh, no,
3: <laughs> who's just coming in the room? It's like he was in a dressing room <laughs> yeah. and someone
2: walked in on him changing. He's like, <laughs> <What>? <laughs> so where are David, where are you? You're in Florida right now, right?
0: Yeah, I actually live down in Miami.
2: Yeah. So you I had I'd hit you remember when I had reached out to you way back yeah don't worry it's okay you can say no don't worry yeah no
0: no I don't man I I gotta be honest with you uh you're gonna have to refresh my memory on that one
2: so when I was living in uh Miami and in the beach I decided to like I had taken like an acting class before and then like I stopped and then I was like I had one of those premonitions where I wanted to get back into it and I was like oh like what do I go down here and for some reason I knew that like I I don't know how I knew I knew it so I'm good friends with Joe shout out to Joe Roberts. And yeah, um, yeah. I reached out to him. He's like, you know, you should reach out to David. And I think yeah. he gave me your number. Okay. And I'd reach out to you and I said, Hey, cause you went to the Miami acting studio. Yeah, I did. You, you had taken classes there. Yeah. So I'd reached out to you and you were like, I said, you know, you want to make sure it's legit. And Right. Like, am I gonna learn that. something? Now there? I'm
0: remembering the conversation. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know if it was a text message or if I actually called yeah, you. Yeah, but I, was, you remember I remember just you... forwarding the call to voicemail. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's like, Who is this guy? Uh, well, yeah, then I you told me a... yeah, it was good. So, so
0: it's interesting, but like living in Miami, there's one thing you can always guarantee yourself of, and that's at some point throughout the year, someone from up north is gonna visit Miami, right? And that's what's uh, yeah. cool about living in Miami, right? So you know, for four to six months out of the year, everybody wants to get the hell out of the Northeast and kind of travel somewhere. Miami is a great place. So it just seems like, you know, I I have a lot of old friends, either acquaintances or indirectly know them that come down here. And some of them have even decided to move down here. So Mm. um, it's interesting listening to some of the podcasts and listening to some of, you know, the acting background of obviously Joe Soba, um, who was on there and kind of you guys. But I I was looking back on my time doing that acting or or taking some acting classes. It was a lot of fun.
2: Yeah. I imagine that you were probably, were you doing that more for like your professional career in terms of like what you're doing now and kind of developing some skill sets, which is kind of get in front of people?
0: No, you know what I was doing it. I've, um, I've kind of loved the arts. I've I've always kind of appreciated the arts and uh, I've always liked to put myself into challenging positions. And I think I think, uh, you know, this obviously, you know, anybody who puts themselves in an acting studio in front of people and, and kind of act, you know, told to read a script or told to kind of, you know, um, just kind of, you know, go live on something. It's it's really a challenging, um, it's really challenging experience. And and so I I literally indirectly, it's also prepared me for the role I'm in today, right? Because Mm -hmm. you get asked a lot of questions that you may not be prepared for and things like that. And so you have to ad lib a lot. Um, but but really, my passion was really just going out there and challenging myself and um, seeing if I can, um, I don't know, just learn something more about myself. So I, I've done that a lot in my life.
2: <laughs> yeah, I can see from uh, your long list of um, things that you've accomplished here. And I know these guys got some questions. So, yeah, um, I'll, I'll defer to By them By the way,
0: I mean, before we kind of transfer out of that, did you end up going to the class? I mean, that's a good school.
2: Yeah, I did. I um it okay. was um it was awesome. Like for okay. the two years cuz I ended up moving away like two years later, but Okay. Yeah, that was a um a good starting point. I learned a, a ton from that, you know, yeah. acting studio. So there was another there's another episode you'll hear next week her name is Cicely. She I met like she was an actress that went to that studio and okay. um like she's out in LA right now and yeah, I met so many people man from that. Like I think that's one of the other yeah. than just, you know, the acting part, you like that's the awesome. people that you meet and it's just friendships for for life. So yeah, it's yeah. been really good.
0: It's a, it's a beautiful art form. I, I got to tell you, it's not made for everyone, but, um, those who have made it their craft, uh, my hat goes off to them because it's just a, it, it's a very challenging and, uh, kind of a very emotional, um, career to take. Cause you, you really have to dive into the roles if you want to take it serious. So,
2: yeah, yeah. And, and I, I wish that someone had said it a while back that, you know, I wish they, someone I think messaged me and said, Hey, you know, I wish they pushed us more for this in like high school. Yeah. You know, and they may have done that. I don't know. Like, I don't know for you, David, but I, I, I probably wouldn't have done it back then. Cause I, you know, yeah, yeah. you're just probably too scared to, yeah, to jump on stage I, and get in front of people.
0: Yeah, no, I, I hear you, man. I, I think, um, I don't know about you guys, but like, you know, high school for me, I, I look back on it and there's so many amazing memories. Um, I think I, I do a better job at appreciating that time now than when I was there. Right. And it mm. was just so busy in the moment. And, uh, but I, I, you know, I, I look back and maybe you guys do too. And I think I have like such a great storybook high school, like from the movies, right? Like you're like, hey, that was kind of us in high school, right? Like mm-hmm. the 80s and 90s and all the friends and, and sports games and, and homecoming and, and yeah. all of those experiences. So, um, yeah, I probably wouldn't have, <laughs> I probably wouldn't have paid attention at the time because I was just so bogged down in my own little
2: circle, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, you're right.
0: So let's, let's jump, let's jump in right
1: there. Let's, let's, let's just jump in. Cause I know a lot of people that are listening are probably like, man, I haven't talked to him in him in 20 years. So um, we're going to, I'm going to, I'm going to throw some stuff at you and t- test your memory and see how you do. Before I get going though, we had someone on one of the first uh, people we had on. I don't know if you, you caught it. I know you listened to her, her episode, but man, she she threw some shade at Haverhill and being from Bradford. And I, mm-hmm. you know, why do people from Bradford have
0: so much jealousy from who
1: people live in Haverhill?
0: I don't, I don't get it. Let's, are you kidding me? No, man. I mean, liberal through and through. I, I think uh, I I think um, you know, I grew up I grew up uh, right by Swayze's Field, if you guys know where that is, man. And yeah. um, oh, football, and and if you guys remember back in the day, you know, it was like, that was like the first rivalries I remember between the schools, right? I, I played Saint Joe's baseball in the Saint Joe's league, and we used to play out there, and and uh, went, come wintertime, and you know, I went to Tilton. You know, up there, and and that we'd sled down that hill in Strazy's Field and nearly kill ourselves every day. But I um I think Haverhill is a great city. Hey, Haverhill is a great city for us to grow up in. Uh, you guys, you know, for those of you who know, I was born and raised in uh, New York City until the age of nine, and then my parents split up, and and my mom was a single mom and came to Haverhill, and it was um it was amazing because when I was living in New York City, I was living in Manhattan. And I was completely and utterly terrified of any experience that ever involved the woods because the only thing I've ever seen on the woods was somebody was dying. Like, you, <laughs> like literally anything involving too much woods and trees, like Jason is coming after you. And so when it, Friday funny. the 13th. It, yeah, man. And, and, it, it's and meanwhile, in I New York think,
2: City, like it's like there was at that time, it was not that.
0: Not that great, but like, no. that, that constant noise yeah. Uh, I was able to go to sleep, but then I moved to Haverhill yeah. the summer before my fourth grade and the crickets, like it just the sound of crickets <laughs> just had me. I just remember that summer very finding it very hard to sleep because it was so quiet. I just thought I was gonna be like killed in Vincent.
3: <laughs> now, was it before like when Jason takes Manhattan came out? I mean <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, but um but yeah, man, like I, I thought Haver was an amazing place and there was definitely that little, we looked at Bradford as actually the rich kids, you know, like like Bradford, you lived in Bradford, you had like serious money, right? Like you lived over the bridge, you had some serious money. And, you know, mean, we, and we drank water with our pinky up. I mean, yeah.
3: nothing different than they were. Yeah. We, <laughs> could, we couldn't beat them bad enough. We had sweaters around our, our necks, you yeah. know, yeah. tied around yeah, our yeah, necks. sweaters and... Right, right. So, well, I like to wear tight shorts, but
1: nothing
2: <laughs> like that. <nothing laughs> <like> That's <laughs> <laughs> all good.
1: So, yeah. So let's, we'll, let's touch on some of the things in high school, because you're, you're obviously proud of those accomplishments. So talk a little bit about your experiences um, when you were here in Haverhill, um, specifically some of your athletic stuff. And then and were, were you a part of the student leadership? If you were, maybe touch on that as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Um... Sure. Look, my my mom had a pretty basic rule, and that was you weren't allowed to come home after school, right? You had to be involved in some sort of activity or something, you know. And so I was always involved in sports. I, I'd go to the boys' club, you know. I'd I'd be involved in baseball, like I said, in football and things like that. And I was a very very um, I guess underweight and and small kid, like you know, like a lot of kids our age, but um. But I found a really uh, a knack in wrestling in the seventh grade and and really took a liking to it. Um, And uh, by the time I got to high school, I was able to wrestle varsity. And um, I was uh, also involved in student government. Right. So I I kind of ran for class president. I was class president every year in high school. Um, And so really had a lot of um, excitement around that because of all the things that we were able to do. Um, But then, you know, in high school, wrestling was really what. I think for a young kid built a lot of confidence in me. Um, yes, I played football, I did track, um, I did baseball. Um, by the way, I was horrible at most of it, except football, I was okay at football, but you know, track and baseball, I was a pole vaulter in track. And in baseball, I'm just gonna leave it at the fact that my last year in baseball, I was on the team as a translator. So (laughs) we had a really good Dominican baseball player named Carlos Rosario. And Coach Dunn, who was my wrestling coach, wanted to keep an eye on me just so I can keep training for wrestling and all the other tournaments that were going after the season. So he let me, like literally got me on the team And all I would do was literally translate for Carlos (laughs) workout and I was on the team, but
2: (laughs) you contributed. That's what matters. I I contributed,
0: but, but wrestling was really where I, where I excelled in. I I came in second in the state as a sophomore, then third of the state as a, as a junior, and then finally won a state title uh, my senior year. And, And that's really kind of what started me thinking about, Hey, you know, hopefully I can go wrestle in college and, and things of that nature. Right. And so, um, but other than that, I was very involved in a lot of things around the city. You know, I, I had a funny, funny story, but I was actually one of my first jobs ever um, that I actually put on a resume. I was maybe a freshman in high school. We were already talking. I, I took a summer course and it was like talking about what a resume is and things like that. And I ended up working as a yard boy cleaning the yard to a lawyer. And the agreement with me was once a week, he would let me do some filing so I can eventually put his law firm on my resume. <laughs> so once a week, I did some filing and I got it. And he, he ended up being the, the mayor of uh, Haverhill, uh, Fiorentini, wow. right? So I was, uh, you know, he, I did some filing and yard work for him uh, when I was 13, you know, 13, 14 years old. And, and so anyway, that was... Um,
2: You had some contributions all across the board between, you know, the baseball team and, uh, you know, you, you help people race to the next level.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, it's, um, it's interesting, but I I definitely have a lot more people to thank, um, for where I'm at today than anything. And I think if, if I come away with a story of my youth and, and what Haverhill has done for me, it's literally what coaching, the importance of coaching, the importance of mentoring is to the youth. Um, Mm -hmm. I didn't grow up with a dad, so, you know, my dad has never seen me play a single sport. Um, I still have, I have a good relationship with him now, but um, there's a lot of people who stepped in for me. I mean, whether it's baseball and football and, and Boy Scouts and, and boys clubs and, and things of that nature that really were great mentors and great leaders to me. And, and because of them, I'm, I'm in the shoes. I'm, I'm where I am today, honestly.
2: For the wrestling piece, David, what do you, you said you were small, you were skinny, right? Like when you were doing that? what do you think was like contributed to, to your success? Um, you know, I know with the wrestlers I remember, you know, playing hockey, like you'd always talk to the wrestlers and they'd be like, Oh my God, like I have to eat, like I can't eat today. I got to hit weight. Right. There's other factors that go into that. Some, you know, your determination, whether you're in a gym and, you know, just constantly practicing. So what do you, what do you think kind of contributed to to where you were and where you ended up in college?
0: Yeah. I- Look, I, I, think, um, I think success breeds success. So I, I think I was fortunate enough that when I was in eighth grade, um, I won the city tournament, you know what I mean? Like between all the middle schools and it piqued my interest. Um, Comes freshman year, coach Dunn, Chip Dunn, um, talked me into going out for the wrestling team. And I was really pretty much the third person on the depth chart. And I, I have to be honest, I, I wasn't necessarily the best wrestler, but I was the guy that was going to tough it out. And look, you guys, all play hockey. And, and, and I have a huge appreciation for hockey. Like, look, there's a certain level of toughness that you just can't teach. You know what I mean, there's always going to be that kid that's more skilled, there's always going to be the faster kid, there's only this. But you guys know, man, on your team, there was always that grit, that that grit that comes, um, which at a young age, you really apply it to sports, right? Mm-hmm. And later on, you realize that what you're really learning is skills in life. Right. Right. And that's one of the things that I I can't speak enough about, you know, Chip Dunn is specifically, you know, my wrestling coach all four years in high school, because when I tell you that he pushed us and pushed us and pushed us beyond anything we thought we were capable of doing, that is literally I go back 30 years now as the head of a company now. And I think of there is nothing I do today that is harder than a practice practice. And is literally harder than a practice that I did in high school.
2: right? Yeah. So,
0: um, so some of that early success was really, you know, the coaching, the pushing, and, and obviously, uh, the fear in me of not giving 100%. You know, I, I'm going to be very careful that I don't necessarily want to say that it's the fear of failure, because I, God knows I failed a ton. Um, but it's actually the fear of waking up the next day, the next year, the next decade and looking back and saying, man, I could have done more. And to me, that's literally, that's literally what keeps driving at me.
2: Um, so anyway, obviously what you did in high school, like has like translated into everything that you've done in your professional career after from college to where you are right now, you touched on it a little bit. So all those skill sets, which I like, there's things I learned along the way where like, Christ, I should have put more effort into that. The hopes that you learn from it, but sounds like you were pretty smooth in what you accomplished to where you are yeah. now. Look, and and I
0: think it comes from again, it uh, comes from great teammates. Obviously, you know a lot. Wrestling is part of being successful in wrestling is having a great um, a great team to practice with, right? I mean, I had a I had teammates that came in third in the state, right, when I won a state title. You know, I had other teammates that that placed, but even me as a freshman there was these seniors that I looked up to. Right. And, uh, that were just amazing wrestlers. Um, and I wanted to be like them, like you guys, when you were freshmen and hockey players, right. There was these guys, right. Um, that you looked up to and you never thought you could be as good as them. And the next thing you know, you're a senior and kids are looking up to you and you don't want to let them down. Right. And so, um, that really propelled me to get to college. And, uh, frankly speaking, you know, to, to wrestle at a division one level was just an honor, right. Um, you know, you, you guys, May take this for granted, but Massachusetts—it's actually one of the best states in the country for hockey, right? Yeah. Like, li- actually, shout out to UMass Lowell, right? Did you guys see that? U-
2: UMass Amherst. 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 Oh, it's UMass Amherst. UMass yeah. Amherst. Sorry, yeah. UMass
0: Amherst. Still, you know,
2: yeah, they won Division
0: One title, right? I mean, that's uh, that's huge. But for wrestling, you know, Massachusetts is not really well known. So coming out of high school, while I got a lot of interest from schools, it wasn't like, Hey, we're getting ready to give you a full scholarship. They, they really wanted me to walk on. So I walked on to BU and was able to wrestle varsity all four years. So that for me was a huge accomplishment and, and similar to high school, you know, I, I didn't win a conference title until my senior year. Um, and by then God, my body was just falling apart. Right. And, and so it was, it was probably the worst, the hardest year of my life, because it was a year where I thought I was going to quit. You know, I, I just, I really wanted to walk away from the sport because I didn't think I had anything, but literally again, it just came back that thought process of, I don't want to look back on this five years, 10 years from now and think that I didn't give it 110%. And so I came back my senior year and, and was able to win a title, go to the NCAAs, win a couple matches out there, you know, place in the top 10, you know, so I was really happy about that. You know what so, David,
3: I find really interesting is when I was reviewing, you know, to get to know your forms you you and you the way you got to where you got, you went through some different fields. You went from yeah. you know, working on Wall Street yeah. to an art dealer. I mean, those are two different you know, two different professions. I mean, can you explain to the listeners how between which working on Wall Street has to be stressful, and then yeah. translate transforming into an art dealer and then where you are now?
0: Yeah, yeah. That's listen, that's a great question. Um I think what it was was I was really driven to to entrepreneurship in many ways, right? So I come from a family of entrepreneurs, right? And mostly I've said this before, but a lot of times entrepreneurship is really driven by necessity, right? It's not so much, hey, I got this corporate job where I'm making six figures. Let me quit that and start. Like a lot of times for my family, it's like, look, I I can't make enough doing what I'm doing. Let me start this. And next thing you know, that thing starts being something that you can make more of a living on. So my mother has always been, You know, I'm an entrepreneur, but at the same time holding down a full time job because, you know, I mean, for a lot of people in this country, a full time job just isn't enough. You know what I mean? And so I've always had a taste um, of what entrepreneurship was in my family. And so when I left college, I wanted I wanted to go to Wall Street. I, I wanted to go to Wall Street because I knew that that was one of the hardest things you can do. Right. And coming from my background, whether it's wrestling and I was a double major, I was I really wanted to challenge myself. And I also knew something interesting. I said, look, if I can put myself in the shoes of getting this experience, I think it's gonna be able to open a lot more doors. So I got an interesting story for you. My senior year in college, I'm applying to all these jobs in investment banking. I have a finance degree. I got a a information systems degree. I got a double minor as well. Um, And all these companies are basically sending me rejection letters. I don't know anyone in any of these companies, right? Um, one of the companies that had one of the best investment banking programs was J.P. Morgan. They sent me a rejection letter. Finally, I'm talking to my head coach, and I'm like, "Look, and he's like, how's it going?" And I'm like, "Look, I, I'm getting offers from companies that are okay, but I, they're not Wall Street, and I want." And he goes, "You know what? Before you got here at BU, there was this guy who ended up going to Wall Street, and he wrestled at BU, and and his name was Pat Duffy." And he works on the trading desk. And I'm like, hey, do you think you can put me in touch with him? I do remember hearing about him, but he doesn't know me. I don't know. And so he put me in touch with Pat Duffy. And Pat's like, hey, I've heard about you. I've talked to coach here and there to see how the team is doing. Why don't you give me your resume? I don't know the recruiter, but at least I can. I go, all I need you to do is put my resume in front of her. Within a week, I was in New York having an interview. And a week later, I got an offer from the same company who sent me a rejection letter for the same department. And, and it, it really opened my eyes to, obviously, who you know counts a lot, right? Mm-hmm. But also, don't take no for an answer, right? I still got the rejection letter from JP Morgan. <laughs> I still have it, right? And I got the rejection letter from 40 other companies that said no to me because at the end of the day, all I needed was one, right? So um, so getting back to what you said, I, I, I've taken that experience and I've applied it to everything I do, right? So... I've started a couple different companies while I'm doing my corporate job, right? So I had a corporate job and, you know, I uh, I started doing art, right? And, and part of that was having a discussion with someone that I thought was just an amazing and amazing artist who really needed some financing and really needed some business help. And I think what you find is um, if you're a businessman, you can probably apply to almost any industry. And that's one of the things that I've been able to learn over the years. It's just, if you can... If you can understand people and you can understand mm. what motivates people and what, yeah. what the drivers are in a certain business, right? Like Brian could talk to you about the hospitality industry and literally understand five or six metrics that can tell you whether a, hospital, uh, uh, a hotel is profitable or not, right? Um, I can do that for, you know, I can learn that, right? I can learn that for a lot of businesses. And once I understand the drivers, the second formula to that is people. And, and literally, that's what yeah. I've tried to sell myself as, as an entrepreneur, as a businessman, as an executive for many companies. And I've been fortunate enough to build a niche in franchising. Um, and as you guys know, franchising is in literally every industry there is. So I've been able to, to play in the, the restaurant industry, the pet, the pet industry. You know, now I'm in the ice cream industry. But at the end of the day, the core of it is you know, you're, you're driving a business, you're growing a business, and all it takes is to understand what the metrics are. Once you understand what the metrics are in that specific industry, then the second thing you have to do is focus on people,
1: mm-hmm. right? And and yeah, look, yeah. I, you guys know it, right?
0: Yeah. So I want
1: to yeah. I want to talk more. I want to talk about the franchising for for a little bit. I would, one of our earlier episodes, we were talking about movies, and one of mine that I watched on a loop for about a year was The Founder. Um, have you have you yeah. have you watched it? Yeah, I did. And then my second question when you when you were watching, I guess you'd watch it, you watched it. We were like. That's me. (laughs) That's my world. And how much does that story sort of translate into setting the bar for companies like
0: yourself or anyone looking to go into that um, type of uh, business type? Yeah, that's a great question, Brian. By the way, for anybody who hasn't seen that movie, it's an amazing movie for anyone, whether you're in franchising or not. But, you know, the the McDonald's story is a unique one. I will say that uh, McDonald's got to start Right when franchising was in its infancy, right, and so you know franchising now is a multi-billion-dollar industry, and a lot of people understand franchising. But um, when I looked at that, yeah, I, I literally said that's literally what I do, right? And and I look at brands, and I try to say how do I take the experience that I've been able to develop, improve that in this brand, and then convince investors to come buy this brand, hmm. right? And so the interesting thing about franchising is. There are people who want to be entrepreneurs and there are people who are literally like going down the corporate ladder, right? But at some point, people going down the corporate ladder are like, man, I am sick of either being, going through these layoffs, going through like whatever changes. My boss is an idiot. Like I have enough money. I'd like to do something on my own, but man, I'm not willing to risk it all on a company. The happy medium sometimes is franchising, right? Because you're literally buying into a brand that's already established, you got a system in place. So they're handing it to you, the marketing manual, the operations manual, how to hire, how to find, Like all of these things they're, they're literally handing to you and all you need to do is basically execute the plan, right? You're your own boss, you hire the people, you open, you close, you do the payroll, you do all of that stuff and mm-hmm. you just execute. And that's why franchising is such a great vehicle for, for really scaling a company right? Because I'm, that's not my money that I'm using. That's your money. If you're an investor, right? You're the franchisee. So, um, I think franchising is, is an amazing vehicle. It's not for everyone. I, I do say like, I, I talk to family members all the time or friends They're like, Hey man, what about this franchise and this? And I'm like, look, you're awesome. I love you, but you're more of an entrepreneur. Like you are the guy, like my brother, for instance, my older brother, Demetrio, he's awesome at At doing things on the fly right like something goes wrong I gotta I'm gonna do this I'm gonna solve this and this and that but in terms of systems and like literally following the plan you know that might not be his forte because he's literally more of a creative mind and like says hey I think this could sell well in the store let me put it in tomorrow you know whereas in a franchise you're somewhat limited in that regard yeah yeah
3: that's for sure
0: yeah yeah, man, like, I, mean, I mean the McDonald's story. Sorry, the, but the McDonald's story is great. But you know, remember McDonald's is really more of a real estate company than right. anything. I that's right. Yeah,
1: I know yeah that's yeah. right. Well, so I got a quick Haverhill story about McDonald's, and Dave, maybe you might you might appreciate. It's not. It's so short. I'll keep it as short. So I was at a conference. This is probably going back ten years ago. It was a hotel conference, hotel people, and I happened. It was in. It was actually in San Diego, and I bumped into a woman, and she had. two was from Haverhill, long trying to make the story short she was from Haverhill and we were just talking about um pro, uh, land in Haverhill for some reason like property and hotels whatever it was and she told me she said Brian she's like you know the number one piece of land that was one of the most valuable piece of land and she said it was the piece of land and I know you know Haverhill obviously coming off of exit 49 the, the exit after Woodhill, Hill yeah. where um the movie that uh the hotel is and then you have the market basket and all that stuff so there was a piece of land there right before athens she's like that land was premium everybody wanted it and you know what it became mcdonald's mcdonald's yeah (laughs) she's she's like that was the number one piece of land that everybody this was whatever it was it's been there 20 years so yeah
0: it's been there a long time man yeah look it's a land play it's a land play um you know a lot of times remember your franchise well not that you remember but just so you understand like franchise agreements last 10 20 years yeah. remember that landlords there forever and so sometimes that landlord sees how well you are when it's time to renegotiate that lease you know that's he has the power right and so um a lot of great great franchisees what they do is they'll open one or two stores especially when you're talking about a big box like that and then they and then they think about buying their land and building their business themselves so that they can put their own business and then at the end of the day, they can build. They can sell that business and stay on as a landlord, right? Um, listen, you know Brian yourself. The hotel industry, the land acquisition piece of that is a huge, huge piece of 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 the franchise play there. Um, you know, yeah. and the loss of land.
1: Yeah, well, pe- people don't realize that. Oh, well, that's because I don't work for them. I'll use them as an example. Mar- Marriott doesn't own any right. of their hotels. Right. They own nothing. I think they own like two or or three, but out of the fifth, you know, fifth, five thousand hotels it's all franchise agreements or management agreements so yeah
3: it's it's a pretty incredible thing to to sort of go down and, and learn about well when i used to work for national amusements with the the movie theater they they weren't franchised but th- what they like to do which was tied into the thing they owned all the property that they built on whereas some other movie companies uh would like where i don't know if you know the loop if you've been up this way david yeah. i don't my last time. okay so amc they had a chance <laughs> to get it to where amc was but they had to have to rent from the owners rather than buy, and they didn't want to do it. So they're smart about it too, because when they sell a building, they just recently sold their, or they're in the process of selling their building to Amazon Don Revere. Wow. They sold the whole land. So yeah. that goes into tying into then our franchise, but owning the land goes well into owning the business, right?
0: Yeah, and listen, owning the land, you have a lot of long-term power. Remember, I mean, you could always sell the business and stay on as a landlord. And we've seen time and time again, yeah. if you want generational, if you want to build generational wealth, You know, sometimes owning the land is definitely the way to go, right? Um, Yeah. But a little quick shout out. um, When I first, when me and my mom first went to Haverhill to check it out before we moved there, uh, that hotel was actually a drive-in movie. A Mm drive-in.
3: Yeah, Yeah. that's right. Speaking
0: of Friday the Thirteenth, I remember
1: this is probably what happened. They used to show it. You could see it while driving down River Street, (laughs) and you'd see
0: Jason. It's
2: back in the woods again. You'd yeah. see the
0: big screen. <laughs> we, we used to, when I was like, you know, in middle school and, and uh, more middle school, but we used to go to the movie theater. And then everyone, I mean, there was like hundreds of kids walking to Papagino's, right? That's right. Walk to Papagino's <laughs> and you stay there. And, you know, if you were lucky, you'd see a fight that night. You know, <laughs> it was always like a that fight. That was our
1: Friday night. night. Yeah, man. Kids don't get it anymore. They wouldn't appreciate that walk. <laughs> you, know, you
3: know what? But, you know, David, I was because I didn't I didn't know much about you. Um, other than, you know, I know Brian was close with you. So when I went on your Facebook page earlier and I saw from right after the pand- pandemic hit, you would put a video out. And you addressed it to, you know, your your employees and staff and the people. And I think that one of the things of you being a CEO or anyone being a leader is the the, the you being a leader and in, in feeling empathy and everything for your own, your employees yeah. and showing that, you know, that you're a leader, this is what's going to happen. This is how we're going to get through it together. And don't worry, we're going to get back on our feet and we're going to be up. And I, and I think that's that's huge for a leader because without that, you could just be, uh, you know, just the people don't. Oh, yeah, he's just a CEO. I, I don't, you know, he's. Right. I, I don't want to go to him to ask him questions. But you were really addressing it, and I could see the, you know, the concern, and 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 I like that about.
0: Yeah, thanks, man. Listen, I think um, everyone knows, right? Everybody's had their own personal experience with this pandemic, right? And uh, whether it's personal or whether it's, you know, from a corporate standpoint, we've seen millions of people lose their jobs. You know, I, I wanted to convey to my team that we have their back, right? And so. Some kids didn't feel comfortable coming back to work. That's fine. We totally respect that. We're going we're gonna to hold your job until you're ready to come back. You know, some, some, uh, some kids didn't feel comfortable, you know, with people coming in, right? Remember, we're, we're not a really big unit. Like our typical square footage is 800 to 1,000 square feet. So between, you know, our employees and our tables and our staff, like you can't really do seating. So what do we do? We, we took all the seating out. We said, look, come enjoy some ice cream, but, you know, you're going to have to take that out. And, and all of that is driven by my employees, right? If if I can't keep my employees happy and motivated and feeling like I have their back, how am I going to expect them then to treat a customer right, right? And I think um, that's just something that I've always felt is important, right? Um, regardless of where you're at, right? And um, I think we've all been part of those experiences going into a restaurant where you can tell where the manager treats their employees right and you can tell when they're not, you know? and And, and it kind of... It kind of, you kind of feel that in the experience, right? And so we've been fortunate enough that all of our employees stayed with us. We did have to close the store down for a little bit because one of them tested positive. We, we sent everyone home. We tested them all back then before testing was free. You know, we closed the store down, then we reopened it when we were ready. But um, even today, I'll be honest with you a year in, we don't have in store dining. We, right. Our employees, we're like, look, we tell our, our customers, come in the store. We're letting them come in now before we actually had the register at the door. Um, Mm. but you know, listen, somewhat, I gotta be honest with you looking at what's happening up in Massachusetts, at least we could say we had the business open. There were businesses that have been closed down for months. Right. But, but at the same time we had to take some extreme precautions, you know, and, and some people were coming and crowding up in front of the door. So we introduced, um, order online, pick up in store so that people can literally order from their home and just pick it up. You know, we had to basically partner with a whole mess of other delivery platforms. We really had to look at shifting our revenue model and our business model say, what are people doing today? And how do we capitalize on it? But at the same time, you know, stay afloat, right? And and we've been fortunate enough to actually find success in that that experience.
2: David, what have you learned from this pandemic with your business right now? Like there's a lot of businesses that, had a plan two or three years from now to go to something like mobile ordering, but they were kind of pushed into it now. So what what kind of things have you learned from this that are, it's going to help you kind of, that you may have not have seen? I mean, you've got a tremendous amount of leadership that spans many years of experience that you've had, but sometimes we don't actually see that next move and you're like, oh Christ, you know, like this outside dining now, that's opened up a ton of like space for, you know, restaurants where they added added capacity right ran- that they otherwise wouldn't have right in the normal days. You know, I don't mean to cut you off, Dave, but I,
3: we never introduced what your business is.
2: Yeah, so you know what? I like to talk about your
3: business and what exactly it is, so that might help people understand.
2: He, do, you know what, yeah. David? He does it on, He does uh, it on to me go. on purpose. He he does it on purpose. Like uh, every time he did that to me. And, well, no,
3: well, stop. You, you gotta explain someone's business. F- I don't like know what f- it is. To people are gonna be like, what does he have? Like, does he serve popcorn or does he serve ice cream? <laughs> no. so you're
1: yeah.
2: the other one. The other one who asked him about the pandemic, and then and here you are right now, and that I so just, you drop you know, on you're me. De-
3: oh my God! Here we go. Brian, 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 mute him.
1: So I'm going to moderate. I'm going to moderate. Ready? Yes. Yes. Yeah, exactly. What I want you to do is I want you to answer Brett's question first. (laughs) It's a good question. And then maybe go talking about your company and then we'll go from there.
0: Yeah, look, so so one of the big lessons we've learned is that you have to keep um, nimble. Right. And and I think that becomes extremely hard the bigger you get. Um, I've been part of some multinational corporations where this pandemic and making the immediate changes we made in what, 24, 48 hours in my company would have taken months. Mm. Uh, that, that, that order online pickup in store, adding other delivery platforms, coming out with new sizes for, for home delivery and court sizes, all of these things I've been able to do because I've kept my, because of the size of the company and because of, you know, what we've been able to build here, I've been able to do that very quickly. Um, and so that, that in essence, is something that I've really learned moving forward that is a little bit of a concern because I wanna grow, but I know that as I grow, some of those changes are gonna become difficult. And so my challenge as I grow this company is, how do I grow a company but stay nimble enough that I can make immediate changes and shifts when, when
2: situations arise like that? Now, to Derek um see that Derek that was an awesome David that was an unbelievable answer and I'm glad you answered it the way you did <laughs> well so, I was trying to tie sure. it to his business so he oh, can well, explain god, how stop. he's changed god.
1: it yeah but man. go ahead you exactly. know what? It's,
2: it's your
3: podcast please answer the question I I'm not going to interrupt anymore because god forbid I try to give you props to your business to find out no, what man, exactly it is. I, enough <laughs> I appreciate it man and um
0: and look I I like to think of this as a bunch of high school buddies getting together and talking <laughs> yeah. about what they have going on and so um, I, what I'm in, I'm in the ice cream business, but more specifically, I'm in the nitrogen ice cream business. A- and what that is for, for your listeners who don't understand is, you know, for hundreds of years, ice cream has been made in a factory, then frozen, shipped out in freezers to stores, stuck in a, pu- in a bucket, you know, and then when you come into the store, you select the bucket of the ice cream you want, and then they scoop it out and they serve it to you. We basically brought that manufacturing plant into the store. So we are literally getting the cream or the dairy directly from the farms, and we're literally pouring the dairy in a bowl, adding the flavor, the nitrogen, the liquid nitrogen is what freezes that instantly at negative 320 degrees and turns it into ice cream like that. So you are getting a custom, ready-to-made, freshest ice cream you can get right there uh, made to order. So that's, that's kind of basically what I do. And my company, I like to say, it's called Chilling Nitrogen Ice Cream. Uh, it's based down here in Miami, Florida. Uh, I'm the CEO and partner and, and, uh, of the company, and we have eight locations right now. And so we're, uh, we're looking at franchising. So I, I was literally brought in by the founders because of my franchising background.
1: So f- to follow up on that, Dave, did maybe talk a little about the founders because the website
2: certainly—he's um... got more important things, right? Though he's yeah. Oh, and awesome yeah. In fact, I'm jealous. I hope, I'm jealous. <laughs> but, but, I, but the I, listeners, he's pouring some vino. <laughs> he needs I it? it.
1: He needs it after this one. So he's got, got nitrous and mind going over there. And then also, where are the? Is there one in Nashua? So maybe it's locally, what's the presence? And talk about the founding.
0: Yeah. Look. So the the founders started this back in two thousand twelve. Um, the founder was basically a graduate out of the University of Florida. Um, went up to Jacksonville area, saw this business being done by hand. So someone was pouring uh, nitrogen into a bowl, and was like, "Holy crap! There's nothing like this in Miami." And let me bring this down. So he came down here, got in a you know basically the garage of his parents, and basically started devising formulas on how to create ice cream through, through using liquid nitrogen. Opened up the first store in 2012 and has grown it to, you know, multiple units, it got to the point where they were getting so much interest that they said, look, the best way to grow this is franchising. And and that's kind of how they basically met me. And they said, look, if I need to grow this, I need to find somebody who's an expert at this. And given my background and what I've done over the last 20 plus years in franchising, that's really where we met up. I live in Miami, they live in Miami. You know, and it was just a click um, since we met. So it's, it's been a really nice relationship because they understand the industry extremely well. And so I, I'm not going to be able to learn in the t- two years that I've been here, you know, what they've been able to develop in nine years from the technology and from the ice cream. But what I do know really, really, really well is how to grow a company, especially through franchising, right? And so that's kind of where we partnered up and we've grown. We don't have any stores outside of Florida at the moment. There are other brands doing what we're doing. Uh, our niche, to be honest with you, our competitive advantage is that we've been able to develop software and hardware to automate a lot of that process. Mm-hmm. And so in a world today where you know, you're trying to cut costs everywhere you can, uh, we can have one employee making four ice creams at once. You know what I mean? And that's where our, our advantage comes in, where everywhere else you probably have to either pour it by hand, each one, or you have to press a button. It's like a efficiency. What do you, exactly.
2: um, where you? I know we're all hate, like Massachusetts people, but obviously this with podcast, you can listen to anywhere across the country in the world and so on. So there's probably some of our listeners that may exist on in Florida. Like what locations are you down there in, in cities and towns?
0: Yeah. So our first location is in a town called a city called Pinecrest. And then we opened one up in Aventura. Uh, we were in Fort Lauderdale. Um, we're in South Beach uh, right off of Lincoln Road. Uh, we just opened up our latest one actually during the pandemic. And that's an interesting story. But we opened up our latest one in Coconut Grove, which is another one. Um, we have one in Coral Springs and one that's in West. That's where my
1: sister lives. That's where Jen lives. Oh, really? Oh, Coral Jen, Springs. I'll have to tell her to oh, check it out. No way. Uh, I'll do it. I'll go, but yes, yes. That's where she I bet you she's
0: been. I mean, so interesting enough. It's so. not. I'll, when I go
1: out there, we'll go together. We'll yeah, absolutely. Your name, We'll see if we can get a discount. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I uh, I went to school growing up with Jen and uh, and uh, great memories growing up with her. I didn't know she was down here,
1: so nice. know. So, so Dave, um, my background I, I'm I'm am I'm big into business business development, acquisition, and, and growth. Oh. we didn't really talk about what your studies were at, at BU. I think you were finance finance major. So, how did you go from wanting to be on Wall Street? To, but which is money management, right? Essentially, over to franchising because they're not the same. I mean, there's obviously business right. businesses involved, but you, you went from one thing to another. Where, where did that shift happen?
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a it's an interesting story. So where I focus primarily in in J P Morgan is mergers and acquisitions, oh. mm-hmm. um, buying and selling companies um, with a focus in Latin America. So J P Morgan had the number one practice in Latin America, and so I mean. Kudos to my parents. You know, I was born, you know, speaking Spanish. I, I wanted great qualifications here. I, I got to work for J.P. Morgan. I had to join their M&A group focused in Latin America. And so, for the first two years of my professional career, I basically spent the entire time traveling through Latin America. You know, helping buy and sell companies and creating um, Excel sheets on how to value a company. Right around that time, the two-year mark, uh, you have a decision in investment banking. You either go back to business school. Or you, at the time, if you remember the late 90s, the dot-com era, that was when things were getting crazy with the whole dot-com piece. Mm -hmm. Some of my friends went down um, and they were starting a company in Florida. And so I got a call from a friend of mine who actually worked with me at J.P. Morgan. And she's like, hey, look, before you think about business school, why don't you come down here and check out what we're building down here in Miami and maybe see if you like it. I came down to Miami. It was probably November in New York. Came down to Miami, checked out the company. Really liked what they were doing, ironically enough, in the food space, but they were creating kind of a B2B exchange. If you remember the B2C, they were in the B2B market mm-hmm. and um, spent one day in Miami with the weather and was like, yeah, I think I'm coming here. Um, joined, joined that, literally helped raise money, sold that company and decided I want to stay in Miami. And guess who was hiring and developing an M&A group in their department, finance department, Burger King Corporation.
2: Yeah, I remember you said that you were working And so for Burger
0: them. King is based out of Miami. Sure enough, they were looking for some guys. My resume looked really appealing to them. I joined them. And what I ended up doing for them for a couple years was selling hundreds of stores um, that were distressed to private equity groups, right? And so private equity groups would come in, buy disastrous stores, stores that nobody wanted, but they were buying them at pennies at the dollar, do a paint job, put some CapEx in it, put a great operator in it, and then literally within two years, turn it around and sell it, right? And so, Brian, you know you know how that works, right? In the hotel industry, same thing. Mm-hmm. But um, I ended up getting introduced to the franchising department because I was talking so much to private equity groups that the head of franchising for Burger King said, hey, if you're interested, you know finance, you're pretty good at talking to people. Why don't you come join me in the franchising department and you could do this for a living? And that's literally my first introduction into specifically doing franchising. The, the one advantage I've been able to have, and it's been a, something that I've been able to carry with me throughout my entire career, is that finance background, that strong financial background is something that has really carried me because, you know, in sales, you, you have sales guys, and then they typically have to pass you over to somebody else when things get too technical, whether you're in technology. You're exactly. In- yeah. we get, once <laughs> technology comes in, Right. You're like, bye. I got to bring in my guy. And in, in the <laughs> restaurant true. business, it's it usually was, you know, as soon as these guys started talking about EBITDA profitability mm-hmm. margins, mm-hmm. metrics, mm-hmm. you know, they expect me to, you know, hand them over. And I'm like, no, let's talk. Come on. What do you got? What do you, you know, mm-hmm. let's, let's look at P and L's. Let's look at. And so mm-hmm. I have a really good stunt understanding of P and L's. And so mm-hmm. that's, that's really how I got into franchising and, um, you know, interesting enough, I was moving up the corporate ladder at Burger King and uh, not fast enough for me. And, you know, I think everybody's kind of faced this experience. You know, I, I, I had a great boss, but, you know, he wanted me to stay at a certain level. And um, I kept getting high marks on my reviews, high marks on my reviews. And finally, you know, it looked like he wasn't going to promote me. And, and uh, another company came and said, hey, I'm going to give you a lot of money. I'm going to make you a director. And that was Wendy's and Arby's. And that's how I started moving. Well, you'd be happy to know there's a Burger King in Haverhill now. You'd, you'd be happy to know oh, there's, yeah? <laughs> there's one over in the Haverhill
1: Plaza. Funny about
3: Burger King is if you watch the History Channel, Food That Built America, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but I didn't realize they did one with Burger King, how Burger King started and how it was based out of Miami. They were called, I think, they were called like Burger King. It was something like top Burger King. Ch- they weren't called Burger King at first. It talks about with McDonald's and Burger King went up against each other, started going head-to-head with McDonald's to try to take over.
0: Yeah. 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 Look, I I think one of the interesting thing, and actually they may not have mentioned this, but I was at Burger King when they decided to buy Jacksonville from the original people who came up with the idea for Burger King were actually up in Jacksonville. But these guys from Miami came up and said, hey, we like your idea. Why don't we bring it down to Miami? Similar to McDonald's, not that Mm -hmm. different. Oh, okay. What the family in Jacksonville was able to negotiate was like, hey, you guys can do that, but we want to retain all ownership of Jacksonville. So any stores that open that we open in Jacksonville will be the master franchisee, franchisor of Jacksonville. And I was at Burger King when they finally purchased that from the original um, family investment group. But like many things, a lot of founders don't end up being sometimes the guys who take it you know, national. And that's why kudos to the guys who could stick around, right? The, the guys who we see today that are there from the beginning to end, because if you look at companies, you know, especially when private equity and big investors start coming in play, they yeah. look at it as there's a different investor from that zero to 1 million, 10 million yeah. mark. And then they need a different type of leader from the 10 million to 50 million mark. And then they need right. a different leader from different mark. And so, um, you know, that's kind of how, you know, these, these things happen.
1: So one of the, one of the things um, that I've learned with franchising is unf- unfortunately you, you can't just buy one. You gotta, you gotta do several. So is that the same with your company? Do you got to come in and have multiple um, locations that you're opening? Are you guys, cause you're, you're maybe smaller. You know. I think you don't
0: when you're, them. um I think when you're smaller and you're starting out, you, you tend to kind of be okay with kind of those single units. Right. And mm-hmm. so I will tell you this though there definitely are what you call economies of scale that you realize as an investor when you can open multiple stores, right? Because now that manager of that first store that you're paying, you know, forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 to, you know, he now becomes the manager of two stores, and then he becomes the area manager of three stores. You're not paying him three times more, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. when you open three stores. And so there you do end up making more profit as you open more but but yeah there is a barrier of entry sometimes brian to people who are like damn i want to open one not three you know um but yeah we're open to having people open one it's just we have to make sure that they understand that we don't have the money to go up and visit you if you're up in haverhill you know well, there's a spot uh, here i right? <laughs> send, yeah? send your real estate guys up oh yeah that's that's great actually funny story enough i gotten a lead i've gotten a couple leads through my facebook posts. I've gotten a couple leads from Haverhill over time. And honestly, more often than not, I'm just talking franchising with people. And so I, I tend to, I tend to really just talk franchising. And if, and if somebody expresses an interest in my brand, great. And if somebody just wants to talk about another brand, that's great. You know? So, so
1: let's, so I want to talk about, um, we, the, the pet company you were with, um, what, what, what brought you there? Were, were you a, like, a, like a, a pet person that like,
0: that would be really cool to be a yeah. part of it or what, what brought you in that direction? You know, that was a private, equity. the last several positions I found was pretty much private equity groups who want to grow a company and need a franchising expert to come in. And so that's a company that's been around 20 plus years. They have a big company portfolio of stores. They probably had a hundred plus company stores, but they only had, you know, maybe 50 odd franchise stores. And, and without getting really too into the weeds, when you go to sell a company if it's a franchise concept, it gets sold for much, much more than if it's not a franchise concept. And that's because you can grow a franchise concept much faster because you guess what? You're using other people's money, right? right. And in, there you in go. A nutshell. So what they came to me with is saying, look, we want to sell this company in a couple of years. We need you to come in, develop the franchising department because it's really not where it needs to be. And we need you to like ramp it up so that when we go to other private equity groups and sell it, you know, that's it. Now, it does help that I love pets. Yeah. I do love pets, but ultimately, you know, I'm a numbers guy. He's right? following on money. Yeah. <laughs>
2: I'm,
0: I'm, we all I'm, like dogs and cats. But. So we were fortunate enough. Um, in literally in two years that I was there, we opened up a hundred more franchise stores. We put another couple hundred in the pipeline, you know, and then we were able to sell that to a private equity group. Uh, and right around then is when my son was born. My first son was born. Um, I was fortunate enough that I was able to stay home for a year, you know, with my wife and my son and experience that because for the last 10, 15 years, I was on a plane, really living mm-hmm. on a plane. And what I decided to do after he turned a year was like, I was like, look, I'd like to find something where I don't have to get on a plane. And, you know, Brian, you were talking about how you can't wait to get on a plane. And I get you, I, I've been living on a plane for 10 plus years, yeah. but there's something about coming home to your family and kids and you're missing out on stuff. And so- I always said, if I can find a company down here in Miami that I can grow and still make it home and, and still be with my family, I think that's something that I'd really treasure.
3: Yeah, of course. I mean, I think you after this pandemic, you, everyone's probably learned how to adapt and, and work from home and, and realize you don't need to be in offices. Now, based on your business, Dave, um, are you going to keep some of the things you implemented moving forward with the order online and stuff like that? Because it seems like for for a lot of restaurants up here, it's worked, and they still keep it going. And it seems like it might be the thing of a future.
0: Yeah, listen, it is. I mean, look. I mean, I'll give you some some metrics here. We were doing nine percent delivery in two thousand nineteen. Uh, we went up as high in March and April of last year to 90 percent, like some weeks in terms wow. of delivery. We ended the year in twenty twenty doing thirty three percent of our sales through delivery. That's a big number. That's a big big number. We're now down. Things have gotten. A, excuse me, a little bit more normalized, we're probably down to about 20% delivery. But I got to tell you, I think people who have never done delivery before have been introduced to it, just like you said, right? And I think it's here to stay. So yeah, we're going to keep doing it. Um, We're going to keep doing delivery. We've had to make some adjustments though, right? So uh, maybe for you, those of you who are in the restaurant business or some of your listeners, what we had before the pandemic was we had four or five tablets you know, up on our, you know, there was an Uber Eats tablet. There was a, there was DoorDash, Grubhub, you know, Postmates tablet. And if you ever walk into a restaurant, you see all these tablets. I was like, this is a disaster from an operational standpoint. And so we we partnered with a company that basically created an integration, you know, software wow. program. And now all we have is one tablet and basically all of our delivery orders go in through one tablet and it's seamless, right? And, and for, for those of you who may be interested in something like that and have restaurants up in the Northeast or wherever you are, the name of the company that we partnered with was called Cubo, C-U-B-O-H. And what it does for operations, you can imagine, it just makes it so easy for my employees. Imagine an employee dealing with the customer and dealing with four tablets. Yeah. And, and yeah. so it makes it that much easier. So yeah, to your point, I think delivery is here to stay. Um, thankfully, we raised prices on delivery because I, I don't know if you're aware, but they take a big chunk. You know, these guys are not cheap yeah. for us. I, I know customers out there, for those of you who, who order online, you're probably doing what I do when my wife and I order. And you're like, damn, this is expensive. Right. You know I mean, but you're paying for convenience. Um, but, you know, we, we get we get a huge fee charged to us. And, and so we, we've had to raise prices online. And unfortunately for us, there haven't been any pushback.
2: And what you see, um, you touch on it a little but the those two questions here, the private equity piece, like private equity, like, like you said, they usually keep it for two, three years. They develop it and then they sell it off compared to, you know, some other owners. Maybe you can talk a little bit about that. And the other thing you, you mentioned about that, um, the store that you'd opened during the pandemic. So maybe you can get into that and some of the, you know, challenges yeah. and trials and tribulations of, uh, you know, opening that store.
0: Yeah. Look, I mean, um, you know, to, to kind of, Make it somewhat simple. You know, there's been this country has been flush with cash for for many, many years, right? The the Fed keeps printing money, right? You guys hear that in the news, right? Mm -hmm. What ends up happening is there's a huge amount of money following a, a finite number of deals, right? And so it used to be that you had to have, you know, 100 stores, 200 stores in order to get the attention from these private equity groups. What happened is there's so much attention on these deals now that the prices were going up. That guess what these private equity groups are doing now? They're going downstream. And so, hey, you know, if you have 20 stores, you have 30 stores, you know, if you have five hotels, six hotels, maybe I'll look at you. And so mm-hmm. we're, you know, we're no different, right? I'm trying to build a company to get to the point where we're enough of an attractive, I guess, target to look at a private equity partner, not so much to sell. I'm not, I'm not looking to sell in my first transaction, what I'm looking to do is potentially bring on an equity infusion where they can bring in and maybe make a, you know, sell them a, a minority state, but we get a huge infusion of capital and then we can grow the company even faster. Right. And so that's what I'm looking to do. Um, and we're probably about a couple of years away from that. So, so, and I'm sorry, what was, what was the other question? I want to make sure.
2: The second question is about the store. You mentioned a store that you'd opened during yeah. the pandemic and you said it was pretty interesting. So I did like, curious to hear a little bit more on that. And
0: and look, I I think it's something for anybody who's ever looking at maybe starting their own business, whether it's franchising or not. There's two ways of looking at opening up a business. You can either do a conversion or you can do a vanilla box, right? A vanilla Mm -hmm. box is basically, you know, four white walls. You got to come in, you got to put in all the electrical and stuff. They got the electrical panel outside and it's going to cost you a lot more, but you literally make it custom to your order. Um, the other option is you go in and you take over a business that is closed down for a certain reason. Uh, and that's what we did in Coconut Grove. We took over a Poke Bowl pl- business. And guess what that Poke Bowl business had? It had a counter. It had two bathrooms. It had a kitchen. It had a freezer. It had a walk-in cooler. Like it had hmm. literally a lot so of what we, what, what, we had, what we needed, right? Um, David, are, are you going
1: into these buildings yourself personally and, and exploring? Or are your yeah. people telling you this?
0: Yeah, yeah, no, no. Like, I mean, listen, it's close to me, right? I mean, if I end up doing that, uh, we're looking at opening up stores in Texas and Nashville and in San Antonio. Now, wow. I'm not specifically. I got a team now that does that, but if they're local here, I'm, I'm basically, yeah, I'm looking at it. So let me go down that
1: rule a bit and, and send and uh, throw you some softball, softball CEO questions. Yeah. All right. Yeah. First, what's the message when you bring a new person on, a new employee, within your orientation? What's the what's the hey, this is what we want to show our customers. Like, what's that obvious message you want to make sure this new employee has as they join your company?
0: Yeah, look, I, I you know, um, shout out to the hospitality industry, but I think one of the things that they've done extremely, extremely well, and, and we've, we put a huge preference on anybody who's had hospitality background is they understand the value in customer service, right? And, and I think we live in a world today where anybody can take their business elsewhere. So what I tell, not just the employees who work for us, but the franchisees, I tell franchisees, look, I'm gonna give you the manual on how to operate. I got a real estate team that's gonna find the site. I got a construction team that's gonna open. What I cannot do is teach you how to value a customer, right? If you're opening a store in Nashville and this, and I need someone that understands that if someone complains about their ice cream, guess what? Give them a nice, a new ice cream. They're right. It costs us a dollar, literally like it costs us nothing. To make so it I gotta, I, I gotta interrupt you because <laughs> I just had a thought in my in my head.
1: Do you ever watch on Undercover Boss? No, I, you know, sometimes, sometimes. So there was one episode, I, like Derek and Brad, I sent you guys this a couple weeks ago, and that doesn't matter what the company was. I think it might have been Boston Chicken or something like that. Yeah. In the in, in Boston the in the, Market, yeah. Boston yeah. Market, and the kid just didn't like the customers. He just they yeah. were an inconvenience. <laughs> yeah. So I think you know you definitely need to understand that you know if you don't have your customers you're not you're yeah. not going to have a job and,
0: and by the so, way so. there may be a place for that individual but not oh, customer, yeah. not with customers right. <laughs> not customer facing exactly right yeah. exactly
1: <laughs> so my next question i only have a couple the ne- next question is you mentioned uh, and you getting to know your form that you do come back or when we spoke you you come back and, and you speak to the wrestlers. so when you when you come back do you come back as C- ceo running company or do you kind of try to hey i'm I was sitting in your seat, and here's where you need. Here's what your short-term your short-term plan needs to be. Here's what your intention, your purpose needs to be, or or someplace else. Like well, how do you how do you connect with these kids? Yeah, look, mean, the be honest,
0: it's been years since I've been back to talk to the wrestling team. And, and shout out to the wrestling team; they are top notch right now. Like, like I follow them um, last year. You know my my high school record was broken by one of the the seniors like they, they just have an amazing team but when i go back honestly when w- one of the things that i've learned over the years is to try to connect with individuals and what i try to do is try to tell them that i was in your shoes not too long ago right so i think if you try to go to them as i'm a ceo you're almost so distant away from what they living that they may not be able to connect but when i can tell them hey I I grew up by Swayze's. I went to the boys club. I, you know, I I played at St. Joe's. You know, I like, I did these things that you're doing today. You know, Um, I went to Tilton. I went to Constantino. I went, you know, I think they kind of relate a little bit more. So when I go back and I have a chance to speak with young kids, I talk a little bit more about my experience. And yes, I I do talk about where I am today, but I, I do kind of make sure people understand that it's because of the experiences I had as a young kid and the mentors that I had and the colleagues and the teammates that I had that I'm, that I'm where I am today.
1: In my, in my last question, maybe less than CEO. Are you not first. done yet?
2: I think you no, were I got done. three,
1: four more. Not close <laughs> to He's going to get three more glasses of wine deep before yeah. I'm done. No, my, so my, my last question is really not more CEO, more of have so many accomplishments, Dave. What's that? What's that one thing you mentioned, you mentioned you have those rejection letters, but I'm sure there's something that maybe balances that, that you're like, that was something. That out. And I'll tell you what, what I saw most recently, uh, when I, we, were, we were voting in the spring, I voted the high school, I saw your name up up there, man. And I'm like, that's cool. That's yeah. cool to have yeah, your name yeah. up there. Yeah, up in big letters. So what, what's that one thing for you?
0: Yeah, look, Um. you know, I, I think I think when I look back when I'm old, right, when I'm old and looking back, um, I, I think from accomplishments from my youth is is probably winning that state title as a senior, but it's really not so much winning the title as much as losing my sophomore year, coming in second, coming in third, my, my junior year, and then finally winning it. My, my, my college career, just so you know, I, I had the same similar experience where I came in second three years in a row before winning a title. And so I, I've had those things that I'll never forget, um, but I have to tell you from a career standpoint, um, there's two things that I'll never forget. And and this pandemic is actually one of them. I, I don't think from a professional standpoint, I'm not I'm I'm not going out on a limb at saying that almost there's a huge amount of people that will never forget what we experienced. And for me, trying to navigate, think about it, man. I just started as a CEO of a company you know, and less than a year later, we're in a pandemic. Right. And, yeah. and I'm trying to navigate this because you're a startup, right? You're, you're, you're kind of crunched for cash and this and that, and you're trying to stay open. You're trying to stay afloat and I'm trying to keep people employed. And, you know, when you're, when you're leading a company and you have, you know, many employees depending on you and your leadership, it's something that I, I really take to heart. And so I think navigating through this pandemic is probably one of my biggest accomplishments. And the other thing I will tell you um, is my biggest thing that I keep looking back on is a deal we didn't do and yeah. so I think a lot of times people take like they take pride in deals they did, but there was a deal that we did not do right before the pandemic, and it's because it just got so overwhelming um and and, and you know it just They wanted X, Y, and Z, and we were desperate for a deal. And and we were trying to accommodate them. But it got to the point where I had to look at my partners and say, guys, as much of a big fish and a big whale as this is, we can't do this. And and I got to tell you, that was tough to walk away from all that money. But I'm looking back on it now, Brian, and and I'm super excited that we do that. And I got to tell you, I think that's probably something that I'm going to look back on many years from now. I'm going to be very happy about. That's a good point.
2: So I got a couple questions. I, yeah. we don't want to take up too much more of your time, but uh, listen,
0: questions. I got some more wine here. So I have oh, perfect. He's, he's <laughs> got can we no make a, We're ready to keep yeah, going. Yeah, This might be a part two I got series. More questions.
2: Yeah, no, I do that. Oh, there will be a part two. So, so I reached out to your buddy Joe Roberts. Yeah. And I said, hey, listen, I got David on tonight. So like give me something. Like you know him more than I do. Give me like some um, you know, maybe something funny or whatever. But he did throw out a couple questions. So I'm uh, I'm gonna All use right. his questions. And by the way,
0: Joe Joe is uh, the first, literally the first friend we made uh, when we landed in Haverhill.
3: That's not so, surprising at all. And I'm sorry to hear that.
0: <coughs> Was he working at the airport? <laughs>
3: U-Haul, U-Haul, U-Haul.
0: U-Haul.
3: <laughs> yeah, he's so, uh...
0: definitely uh, Joe. Joe's is uh, near and dear to me, and and we see each other when he comes down. So yeah, Joe's but, a great uh,
3: guy. Anyway. Joe's a great guy, and I always like to bust his chops. So yeah, he, yeah, he yeah. knows
2: that. We got to get him on one of these days, and we're gonna really bust his job yeah he's known as joe drummer yeah Um, so here's two questions he did mention like you you already mentioned it there but he did mention that you tangled so he said and when is he going to put his little brother on ice cream business doesn't the fact that he had an ice cream truck qualify
0: that's that's a great question um my younger brother dennis man dennis is awesome um I got a great story for you guys. If you guys have two seconds to listen oh, to hey, this, it, let's go, man. Oh, yeah, I right got more stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> let's rock. So one of the internships, I was like, I was addicted to kind of like hooking up my resume when I was in college, right? And so one of my internships was I was a marketing manager for Gatorade one summer. And like literally my job was to go around all of Massachusetts and New Hampshire to all these sporting events and set up the table. I had a Gatorade van. I had the Gatorade pack and stuff mm. and I hire friends. I would hire friends from college and just like literally come and this is that. And sure enough, man, my younger brother was, you know, still in high school or college, you know, he just started college or something and he would come and help me. Right. And and so he'd come and help me and we'd kind of spend the day together. We were at the Boston um, promenade, right. Like that whole promenade area we're doing an event. And when we're done, you know, that walkway by the river, right. That mm-hmm. whole walkway yeah, yeah. by the river, we had our van there because we set up so early, that we, we were able to get our van there, our Gatorade van. But then when we were leaving, we were going by the walkway and we are driving by the walkway and we were very, going very slow because obviously there's families having picnics and whatnot. And sure enough, there's a little kid, maybe honestly 30 feet ahead of me, trying to cross the walkway. I, I'm going literally four miles an hour.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I did not stop. I, I did not stop. I'm still going four miles an hour because I see his family coming to get the kid. No problem, this and that. The father, unfortunately, was not happy with me not coming to a complete stop and came over to me and started yelling at me, like literally in your mass attitude, right? And so we literally are getting into it right here. And this guy is F bombing me this and F bombing me that. And I'm like, dude, what the hell's wrong with you, man? I'm going slow and this and that. And he goes, you think you're tough? How about this? And he opens his jacket and there's a gun. He goes, I'm a cop. How about I take care of you? And I literally froze right there. And my brother sitting next to me, and he goes, "You think you're effing tough? Go ahead, shoot him. Go ahead, shoot him. See what happens. See what happens."
1: <laughs> and I'm literally, I turn around
0: and look at my brother, and I'm like, "Dennis, what are you doing?" <laughs> my little brother wanted to jump through the window at the guy and say, "Go ahead, shoot him. Shoot him." <laughs> and I'm like, no, "No, no, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry." I literally. I literally oh my god. But, um, but my brother, I'd love to get my brother in a business. He has his own business now, man. And, um, you know, I, I, I try not to mix business and family. I'll be honest with you. Um, Smart move. So You know, they're, they're amazing at what they do. Um, I, I help them with everything. I, I kind of help them with any problems that they have, whether it's looking through financials or understanding a business plan and stuff like that. And listen, who knows? Maybe, maybe in yeah. the future, um, he'll open one.
2: Excellent. The other one was, um, he said, you know, with you traveling so much he said, you know, you travel a ton over your, your career, like you had mentioned, and give us an odd experience that you've experienced while traveling. Um, I, I, look, I mean, there's just the car plane destination.
0: I mean, there's, there's been crazy, um, crazy experiences for me. I mean, I've, uh, I've traveled abroad to Europe, um, you know, a couple of times and things have gone a little crazy in the flights and I, I've, I, I will tell you one story that that is a little crazy, um, but I was supposed to meet a good buddy of mine, one of my best friends from college in an island called Margarita Island, and it's off the coast of Venezuela. And we said, I live in Miami. He lives in Spain. He was going to go party there. And I'm like, let me go party with you. Right. I was young and this and that. I literally landed in Caracas um, for Venezuela right before they closed the entire airport because the flooding in the city was so severe and the rainstorms were so severe that they literally close down the entire city airport. So I'm left in the airport, inside the airport. I have to sleep there for two days uh, uh-huh. in the airport, trying to eat whatever food they're handing out. And on the second day, they start handing out um, a, basically a sheet of paper. And they said, write your name, your sex, and your age. And I'm literally at the time 24 years old. I'm a male, you know. I, there's no way I'm making it on the next plane because they're like, look, a plane's going to leave. And I'm like, every old person, mother, child mm. is going to get out of there. So I took my luggage and I start walking down the airport just to get out of the mayhem that was happening. Cause people were getting desperate. I couldn't leave the airport because the military was there preventing the poor villagers from going in to seek shelter. So they wouldn't let us out and they wouldn't let them in. So I literally turn a corner to the domestic wing and there's a line to get on a plane and a man saying board the plane now we'll take your tickets when we get there we need to leave now because the opening with the weather was only going to be about 30 minutes i jumped on that plane without knowing where it was going i was the last person on the plane i literally was that last person on the plane i looked at the first available seat and i sat down next to this kid and um I sat down and all I was worried about was taking off because I thought they were going to come and say, sir, you're not you don't belong on this flight. Mm. So I literally try to play it off. I'm like, yeah, you know, this and this. As soon as we took off, I look over at the kid. I'm like, hey, where are we going? And he goes to me and he goes, we're going to Valencia. Valencia is a city in Spain. And I'm like, oh, my God, we're going to school. <laughs> oh, <laughs> my God this guy i go we're going to spain he goes no 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 dude there's a valencia venezuela that's 30 minutes away (laughs) So (laughs) (laughs) so i literally um take a 30 minute flight to valencia venezuela with this guy he's studying abroad he's from venezuela he has a reggae brand he has a reggae band that he started in in california and he's continuing with his friends in venezuela Guess who hooked me up for the next five days at his house with his family. So I stayed with him for five days. Wow. Experienced. And like that, that to me was one of the craziest travel experiences I ever had.
2: He knew you had something in your pockets there. I, and by, awesome. the way, Dude. by the way, by the way, the power of
0: knowing people and the power of stories, like I, I got to tell you, I have stories at nauseum. But but um, but one of the interesting things is 25 years later me and my wife are entertaining some people in the backyard. So happened to be Venezuelans. And uh, sure enough, my wife is like, Dave, they, they tell the story, tell the story. And I tell the story, guess where they're from? Valencia. And Ooh. guess who was his best friend?
2: No, okay.
0: Oh my so God. We, had him, we picked up <laughs> on the phone. We got him on the phone. Mom. We reconnected. Holy I'm on shit. Facebook with him now, Wait, and we're now, his name is Sebastian Ramos. And we're friends now on Facebook, but we reconnected after 20 plus years after me telling the story of someone who just so happens to be his best friend back in Venezuela.
1: What That's a, small, a world. small world. Oh my God. You know, we, we didn't um, introduce your family. You're welcome. Your, your wife, you mentioned you have two, two kids. That's right.
0: That's right. I have two kids, Milan and uh, Joaquin is going to turn three months. So, wow. well, years old. so yeah, I got a little bit of a late start. Um, I like to think that I was very much more career focused, I guess, uh, in my early years, but, um, but it's been awesome. It's been awesome being a dad. My wife is Carolina and um, she, was, she was born in New York City, raised in Miami, family's from Columbia. My family, as you guys may or may not know, is from the Dominican Republic. You know, we're, we're, we're obviously, uh, I'm first generation, um, like many people in Haverhill, either first, second or third generation, right?
2: Um, so yeah. Where'd you come in from DR? Where in DR were you from?
0: Uh, my, my family's from um, Santo Domingo, yeah. and also uh, a city called La Vega.
2: Oh, okay, yeah. You know, you know, DR. I I do. I, He's I've been there a couple times. There, yeah, <laughs> Just like in and out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've been there a few times. Uh, yeah, man. yeah. So yeah, there was a kid that used to actually, when I was in the car business for years, like he was from La Vega. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I traveled across that country. It's beautiful, man. You went a lot. you did a lot of hiking. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh,
0: you know, and, and I look. I'm, I'm a big believer in if you spend enough time talking to people, you're gonna find a connection, right? And 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 I guarantee you that you know if you guys ever had decide to have me on, we'll find more and more connections. But oh, yeah. to tell you something real quick, my my wife and I, after dating only a couple months, I tell her, hey, look, I'm gonna go with a buddy. We were gonna go out to Iceland, um, and I stopped in New York to visit my father and my sisters, and I'm having dinner with them. And then they're like, hey, so what's up with the dating scene? I'm like, look, I'm dating this girl. I really like her. She's Colombian, this and that. I'm like, hey, if you guys don't mind, let me take a picture with us and send it to her. And I sent her a picture of me and my two sisters and my dad. And, uh, and I go, hey, here are my sisters, you know, Yanis, Lisa, and my dad. And she goes, Yanis is not your sister. And, and in my head, I'm like, oh my God, this girl's gonna end up being one of these cycles, right? Like, let's do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My now wife, Literally knew my sister because she used to travel up to New York and stay with my sister years and years ago before I ever met my wife.
3: Oh, jeez! So, let hey, so that's talk about small world. Anyway,
0: it's a it's a small world out there. Yeah.
3: Wow, that's that's pretty unique.
0: I, look, and I, I think you guys have those stories, right? I mean, look, Brian, you said that you met somebody at a conference from Haverhill and stuff like that. So look, yeah. y- you spend enough time talking to people. I think you find these commonalities or these common stories. And if you really start spending time and, and drinking some wine, you start saying, holy shit, I met another person. Well, there's a big
3: difference. Brian's not really a big people person. He likes to... Uh... <laughs> if he sent you a text message today, he, he sent me a text message today of like this house in Iceland by itself. And that's where he wants to live. (laughs) Beautiful.
1: It was a beautiful, beautiful plot of land, Dave. Nobody around for miles. Nobody. (laughs) So, Dave, we're going to have you back. One of the things that we're we're working on doing, we've talked about it to our listeners, and we're going to work on some YouTube content. And the purpose of that is to really focus on specific subjects. And you brought up so many, so many things, um, especially within the franchise. I'm a business development. Um, that's my, my background. So, and there's just so much you can, and I'd love to find a way to connect you to this town because I feel like how many people like you, you know, people who have positive messages, have a great story. I live, um, where I live in Haverhill, the the kids from the high school walk, walk back and forth. Sometimes they kick my mailbox over. It depends on the mood that they're (laughs) in. Um, it's not them, it's someone driving over it, whatever. So I so much just want to pull them over and be like, man, this is, this is the person you need to really use as to someone to look up to. And I, I mean that, you know, I remember, I remember you and I, it's funny, you and I think with we the to Tilton together, Constantine yeah. and yeah. Um, So we, I, I couldn't get into BU, man. I was, me and Derek were Salem State, so don't... <laughs> Wait a but
3: second. How did I get thrown in this? We didn't even talk. My wife went to BU. <laughs> Wait, Salem University so that's right it's university now yes, So
1: let's get it right so my resume but dave you you can hang out with us you mean we we're gonna we're, you know it's up to you man you can hang out with your wine as we as we finish yeah. up and you're listen man you're a ceo dude we can kick you out you know
0: and by the way <laughs> let me just say this man you know you you I, I spent 20 years trying to work myself up this corporate ladder right and, and and like ceo obviously is that pinnacle stage right and and sure enough you get there and you're like wait a minute you're you're, you're not really any, like my kid could run in here any second now and tell me, you know, he doesn't care about this podcast, right? Like, I, like you know, and I still got to do the work. I still got to, you know, there's yeah. really not much different, but it's just a title, right? Like we go in this pandemic, I was in there doing dishes, right? Because kids were out sick, kids didn't mm. want to come into work. And, and I think that comes from where we grew up, right? Like I don't, I, I think Haverhill, if anything, being a blue collar town, it really kind of drives that, that, that instinct in you, that nothing is beneath you. Right. Like there is, there should, like we despise those people. Remember, like you look down on anybody who thought they were above anybody else. Right. And I, and you know, if anything I could share with people is that just because you get to a certain title, doesn't mean that you're better than anyone, man. I'm, I'm just like, I still look at myself at those high school kids. I'm still that high school kid trying to make 103 pounds, cutting weight, like, I'm still that same kid. I remember what it's like. And it's almost a shame when people get to a certain level of success and they forget. Yeah. They forget that. Yeah. You, you, it's
2: easy 100%. I think yeah. the I mean, the talking to you, man, like the one thing it seemed like, yeah, you've had like a lot of mentorship and people helping you to grow up, but it seemed like you had this something inside of you since you were younger that just kind of drove you. And I don't think that, I mean, do you think those things are just kind of like you just, organically grow or is it something that's just kind of you know look like, man I,
0: I've thought about that a lot and I have to be honest like I was never the best at almost anything I did like it, I, I guess there's that's where drive comes in like people think you know but but even in terms of drive I think it's like um where preparation right what's look right where preparation meets opportunity I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a strong believer in that right mm-hmm. like I've I've never felt that I was the smartest you know around but i got to tell you i always felt 1000% confident that i will outwork anybody right and yeah. so if it would ever came down to working hard i definitely felt very very confident that i could i could probably get there it may not take me it may take me a little bit longer but i'll eventually get there right
2: yeah. and i've
0: been very fortunate at having between the coaches and the mentors and the teammates all of these people pushing me, right? Like my teammates pushing me, my coaches literally giving up their weekends and coming out and saying, hey man, I believe in you. Let's go work out. Let's go do this and let's do this. And my teachers, you know, staying with me, you know, they had, a, they, they raised money for me. Constantino raised money for me. I'll never forget this. When I went out to the national tournament as a high school senior, Constantino had a David Leonardo day where they like literally raised money to help send me, to the national tournament, and, and then I like, had a Brian Nazarian
3: day. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, they did. Like, they, were like, try, <laughs> they were trying to get you out of the school. <laughs> right, yeah. that's that's
0: awesome. That is awesome. Thank I don't you know, know, man. Like I, he was, I he looked, was a Charger I was man, those. <laughs> Chargers. <laughs>
3: I
2: think oh boy. Those, days,
0: and those, those are things. That's cool. That that's I, a cool I, story. Yeah, man. Those are things that I'll never forget. Right, Coach Shanahan. You remember Peter Shanahan, I right? Too. I do. Yeah. yeah, man. Like so. Anyway, I, we could go on forever, but those, yeah. those are things that I'll never forget.
2: What do you what do you think is one of the um? I probably I think I already know the answer because you've mentioned it a couple of times. But for businesses or franchisees, what do you think the one of the number one reasons for failure is?
0: If I can give anyone success, uh, excuse me, suggestion. Um, know what you're good at and know what you're not good at, and don't be afraid to ask for help. I think, I think the people who have been extremely successful. For anybody who tells you that they've done it on their own, they're lying to you. They may not be willing to recognize the other people that have helped them get there, but they've had help in some way or another. Yeah. And, and it's about you capitalizing on that system. So I would tell any business owner, do what you do really, really well and understand what you don't do well and seek help in that area. And that is literally how you grow a business. Now, I'll tell you something else. If you want to grow a very, very, very big business and you're not just happy being a one unit mom and pop owner, and don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with being a mom and pop owner. This country, literally this country is where it's at today because of mom and pop owners. But if you ever decide that you want to go to that second, third, fourth, fifth location of whatever it is you want, you need to be comfortable with delegating work. Yeah, you're not good. If you're a micromanager, you got to probably reconsider whether you're made for opening multiple locations. You're right about that. That's my, I don't know if you guys agree. Sounds like you do. Sounds like you oh No, heard. I do. I agree with
3: you. Because to be a true leader, you have to delegate, right? Because if you do it all yourself, yeah, it's going to be failure completely. Because you have to trust other people. Well, so sounds like when Derek goes in the office in the morning.
0: Yes. You take it. stats.
3: <laughs> yeah, I just point Wait. fingers. I don't even say anything the,
0: the people. just people giving his breakfast. <laughs> it was a couple weeks ago. Brett was Brett. You were out. There was an episode oh, you yeah. guys did before you had your first customer. Before you had your first guest. Brett was out. You know, you had to delegate to these guys and say, "You guys got to hold the fort." well i down,
2: and it, and it was <laughs> the Actually, That
1: episode. Is our highest rated one. So yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: there's a reason why <laughs> Big Mouth wasn't uh. here. <laughs> <laughs> so, but do you think the people part too, like you said, managing people. And I thought that was a huge point that, yeah. you know, right. for business owners and it just yeah. employees and treating them right. I, I think that's, Man,
0: I got to Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's another thing. All right. It's, it's managing people. You get to a point where my job right now as CEO, honestly, is making sure people are in the right position and making sure I get out of their way. <laughs> you know, my, my job is literally to ask the right questions, right? Ask right. the right questions you know, and let them do their work. I mean, the worst thing you could have, and, and listen, I've, I've been fired from jobs, right? I, I, I don't, don't think that my trajectory to get here has been a steady rise. All, like, I, it's been with hiccups. It's been with that. I've been fired from jobs because like I've been hired for purposes. If you hire someone with a great pedigree, don't sit them down and then tell them what you want them to do, right? Like, like if you need somebody and they're experienced in certain craft, Tell them, teach them your business, tell them that, and then let them go and let them know and know, understand they're going to make mistakes, provide them support, let them know what I can do to support you. Let, you know, encourage them talk about the vision. That's my job, right? That's my job. And, and literally making sure that my employees have everything they need to grow. So now I have four or five employees that don't understand franchising. I've literally brought them on from the bottom and I'm teaching them franchising. My job is to introduce them to people in franchising. Hey, meet this guy in marketing in franchising. Hey, why don't you start the Certified Franchise Executive Program where you can two years, three years, you can literally become a Certified Franchise Executive. Hey, let me introduce you to this person because we're doing the same thing. They did that two years ago when I was there. Go talk to them. I don't know, that's what I think as a leader, my job is to do.
1: That's awesome feedback. It just seems like at the end of the day, the common denominator is always gonna be one thing and that's people. Yeah. People cross over everything, no matter what you do, no matter where you are within the company, whether you're dealing with the customers, whether you're dealing with um, a team, whether you're dealing with uh, stakeholders, a board, whatever it might be. At the end of the day, it's going to be your ability to connect with people. So, yeah.
0: you know, Brian, um, there's a saying that I like to tell people is that you don't work for great companies. You work for great bosses. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I think you could work for an amazing, amazing company. If you don't have a great boss, guess what? You're not happy.
1: Yeah. And, and by, you know, listen, man, I, I'm the, I'm the same way, and I I don't think my any of my bosses listen listen to this show, so I can say this without feeling like I'm patronizing them. But the people that I work for, the best are the people that are honest with you. You know, they make you feel like you're important, and especially over COVID. And you would you would, yeah. when, when we do another when you have you back, we'll talk more about I think your day to day stuff because I I am curious some of that. But you know, one of the things about over COVID is people were doing more with less, a lot less yeah. and a lot more. And I was one of them. So it you know, you had to have a boss that recognized it and made you feel like, hey, we know what you're That's doing. That's right. It mean it meant a lot. So, so okay. let's let's do it. Dave, I want you to hang hang around because I want to chat with you after we no we problem. have do um, no so you guys have more questions? Go,
2: go ahead. I'm sorry. No? no. No. Um I think you know I could go you on. Would right. like to, um, we talked about you know, going forward if one of us can't make it, you know, like I can't always hold it down for these guys. So, you know, if I Why when do I have? Hey,
1: did, well, did you know that Brett is the 16th highest goal score in Hebrew High School history? I think what? 16th or 15th? No. I'm not-
2: Jesus, he's not even like he's, he's not even close. close. He just throws out, yeah, I know, not even. Uh, but we talked don't about you know bringing Stay back some of our uh, yeah, some of our past guests. So in the future, man, if you're up for it, like you know, one yeah. of us can't be here. Yeah, we'd man. like for you guys to join. Like we'll have someone you know, awesome, we'll be interviewing man. someone and it's good to have someone else's like kind of perspective and, um, you know.
0: And look, if anybody ever has, I'm not here to sell my franchise, but if anybody ever has a question about franchising or anything like that. Yeah. Tell us how they can
1: reach you. Give, give all the, yeah, give look, the website, I, give the contact information.
0: Look, LinkedIn, you know, you know, David Leonardo on LinkedIn or, you know, David Leonardo at chillin, uh, dot com. Um, And so you could reach me there and You'll find me. I'm obviously I'm connected through you guys on Facebook, and so you can always reach me out there. I'm I'm not as big on Facebook now as I used to be, just because business has gotten so busy. But I do try to get on there from time to time and 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 cause cause you know cause fights. And then yeah. if, would you consider <laughs> if someone wanted to open one up
3: in Massachusetts? Would, would that wouldn't be, would you guys consider moving?
0: Yeah, of course. I mean, Let's just
1: say
3: Salisbury. Brian's thinking about you. just say Salisbury, Massachusetts
1: <laughs> has a spot. What's the square footage requirements? Yeah. What's the co-star information? I mean, you familiar with co-star? You must be yeah, a co-star guy.
3: You must. <laughs> what's the co-star stats? Yeah,
1: because <laughs> he can just go right to Salisbury. I know the the. G- <laughs> uh,
0: and I only think I, I got gotta full. tell you, you know what's place in Haverhill that I'm still re- trying to remember? What's the place up on the hill that I used to open only five months a year? The High Screen Place that I used a to. Carter's, open? Carter's, man, that place. They do. Great. They still do well. They, they still. still do well. They still close. They still are the killing season. it. Kill it. Kill it. Cash only. I had, hook up. I had a hookup. I had a hookup in high school. I got friends that were on the girls' basketball team that used to hook me up with the banana splits. Oh. I was like, I was getting those free banana splits.
2: <laughs> you're also on Instagram, too, at chillin underscore CEO. I don't know if you, did right. you say that. One? That's yeah. right.
0: Chillin underscore CEO, man. S-C-H-I-L-L-I. Any questions, any way I can help out. And actually, more than anything, if you're down in Miami, anybody from Haverhill, whoever comes down to Miami, Hit me up at the very least. I'll hook you up with some free ice cream.
1: Just don't try (laughs) to get into any any actors class feedback.
0: (laughs) You won't hear back from me.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. So
0: so... ice
3: cream looks really good though. I tell you that. I was looking at that. Some of the uh, the ice cream. It looks like looks like a little chemistry. Like pizza. I I I like the way it's set up on his menu. It's like a chemistry set. I mean, the chemistry
2: (laughs) uh, map you have with the you know the different periodic table. Yeah, You you know, you tried some um, something like the. That place that's over here now. Oh, me, yeah, that's right. No that, that's made with the same thing, that liquid nitrogen thing. All right. All right. Yeah, it was really good. So, private
1: equity, someone has 20, 30 million. Do they go those routes to get a hold of you? Or is there a, a, a company?
0: Yeah, look, person? I mean, if you're, if you're obviously private equity, I think I've been approached more by my, my direct email or LinkedIn. LinkedIn seems to be like the place where private equity players you know, go. And obviously, David Leonardo, Chilling Ice Cream, you could Google that, okay. and there's enough stuff up there to find me. Well, guys, you know, you know Dave, I, go ahead. No, no, okay, Dave, you finish it off. No, man, listen, I, I, I really enjoyed talking to you guys, man. I, I Honestly, like you said, Brian, this is one of those things where we could stay on for days and I'd love for you to consider me bringing me back on a, on a specific topic or anything yeah. like that. I'd love to chat with you guys. I, I really like the energy you guys are bringing to the table. And more than anything, man, I really am looking forward to seeing how this evolves because I think what you guys are doing and actually I'm seeing it in the episodes you're kind of finding your rhythm in terms of like what this is. And, and I, and I got to tell you, keep doing this until you do like, don't, yeah. don't think you need to have to figure it out right now. Like keep going. Yeah. That's what I tell eventually them. Eventually, kind of like, okay, this is the rhythm. And then all of a sudden one day you're going to be like, hold up a second. I'm starting to see a trend that we're doing really well in this niche. Yeah. Why don't we go after it? like, that's shit, man. That's yeah. business, right? No, you're yeah. right.
3: You're right. I don't know, David, if I could take see and Brian, multiple nights like this, but that, that month, that month. oh my God. All
1: right. Hey, this is Brett. I'm getting, I'm getting called from the big boss. Can you bring, yeah, can yeah. you bring us home? And then um, I'm going to stop recording. And then I just want to make sure I get, um, I want to make sure I get
2: your information. Yeah. Well, we want to thank everyone for joining us. Um, and all the listeners for joining us you know, also on the three guys podcast and David, thank you for coming on tonight and spending this time with us. We're going to uh, split this up into I probably do like a bonus episode and keep this up that second part of that conversation. And as like a bonus trailer, which would be kind of cool and to hear people. Oh. I, yeah. I mean, I think it was just general, the whole conversation flowed, but I, yeah, uh, definitely. Right. You got to hit him with that one glass question. No, you got to hit it. All right.
3: <laughs> Favorite grocery store that plays the best music.
0: Wow, man. Um, Whole Foods, man, they they rock it down here. Do they really, really more <laughs> yeah. than Publix? Yeah, I mean, this is, I, damn, that, By the way, that's another episode, man. We have Win Dixie. There's the. the kind oh, of, that's
3: right. I love Win Dixie.
0: Remember, like, there's the kind of girl that you want, right? There's the Win Dixie girl, there's the Publix girl, and there's the Whole Foods girl. You can't afford the Whole Foods girl. That's interesting. <laughs> you gotta go to the Publix. You gotta go to the Publix girl, and you don't want the Win Dixie. Well, you may want the Win Dixie girl sometimes. <laughs> But you you really want to marry the Publix girl, and you know who can grow to be the Whole Foods girl, but you don't want to go after the Whole Foods girl.
2: <laughs> that's an awesome perspective on that. Yeah, that's a great Is analogy. Your, fr- your franchising
1: yeah. pitch. I think
2: we <laughs> I, I think we just um, I think we just took it home on that. With yeah, that put to an end. <laughs> so thank you guys all again for joining us, and we'll see you on the next episode. Later, guys. Have a good night.
0: Take care, thank
1: you guys. Thank you for joining. Thank you to the team at 78 Brusky Productions for putting together another great show of the Three Guys Podcast. And also to our listeners, we appreciate your support.